Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Titan Alumni Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to alumni about their experiences at Cal State Fullerton and where they are today. For this week's episode, our guest is William Perpera, who received multiple degrees from CSUF, including a BS in Mechanical Engineering in 1976, an MS in Mechanical Engineering in 1979, and an MBA in 1983. In this episode, we talk about his journey through Cal State Fullerton and why he gives back to the university. Listen to these episodes live on Saturdays at 6 p.m. on titanradio.org, or you can binge them on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash CSUF alumni. All right, so one of the first questions I want to ask, uh, you went to Cal State Fullerton some time ago, and I'm just wondering, how did you manage to get to Cal State Fullerton? What was like the idea behind you joining Cal State Fullerton? Well, not having fifty dollars to $60,000, I adopted my fallback position, which was extremely cost-effective Cal State Fullerton. Back then, the state was really subsidizing the state university system, and I can make children cry today and I tell them that it was costing me with books and parking pass around $600 a year for, for, for my degree. Are you serious? 600 bucks? Yeah, 600, 600 bucks. I was able to put myself through school working at McDonald's. Our parking pass is like going to be 600 bucks a year. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you got I the entire tuition, parking pass, and tuition and books. All right, so after you completed your bachelor's at Cal State Fullerton, so you completed that in four years, you went directly for your master's degree at Fullerton as well. You started working uh, while completing your master's. So how was that like transition of completing your master's plus working at the same time? Well, you have to remember, today, when I tell my mentees, you must have internships. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely critical. Luckily for me, between my uh, junior year and senior year, I ended up as an intern at Hunt Wesson reporting to the vice president of engineering and the chief engineer of the corporation. That was fun. It taught me a couple of things. I'm turned out to be actually relatively good at engineering and more all the, remember my first job was at McDonald's. My second job was at Disneyland working as a cook at the Blue Bayou restaurant, cooking money for the sandwiches. Now in this job, I was an engineering intern. I was flying up and down the coast of California with, with their central engineering team, which was their elite engineers who had fine-tuned packing plants or thing, and get, get an extra one half percent profit or something. They, they were they were you know the best of the best. And that's when I started to find I didn't even notice until later, that's when my talent came out. There was one time where it was up in Sacramento, and I'd been up there for a week and was flying back home, and the way out is walking past the assembly line. And I looked and says, what would happen if you did this, this, or that? Thought nothing of it walked out. The next morning, I got a call. Bill, the vice president wants you in his office now. I walk in the office, and there is Joe Monshine, the vice president, and Jake Hill, the chief engineer, says, Bill, what are you doing redesigning the assembly line up in Sacramento plant? As I, as I, then they started laughing their heads off. They said, Bill, let me explain something to you. That hat you wore that said central engineering on it, that's two stars. You are equal in rank to the plant manager. They did not see a 20-year-old, 21-year-old engineering student. All they saw was click heels and salute. By the way, it's a great idea. I told them to implement it. But you have to understand implied authority in the future. Mm-hmm. But that was, that's when I found out the difference between being at the low-level type of job that you had in college to being in the professional. And that became even more noticeable when I graduated. What kind of like sparked the interest of getting a master's since you were already able to get like a good paying job like after your bachelor's degree? I'm looking at a young man right now, you, and I look at people and I say, do you understand that 20 years from now, you'll be mid-career, but there'll be these other bright, intelligent, with new tools, new capabilities, things that you have missed because you worked over here now, 
you got to fend those people off. Yeah. So there, there were two things going on here. Number one, I needed to prove to myself there wasn't a fluke that I got to my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. By getting my master's, I could convince myself, yes, I really did know uh, engineering in my areas of expertise in thermal events, heat transfer, power and energy was legitimate. At that point, I had also started to look at what I want to do in my life. And I had already been made a manager at age 28. And I discovered I'm a lousy manager. And that just, it was part of the personality uh, setup I have. I just didn't have a good manager knows how to read what's going on, can interpret what the person saying or not saying. They're compassionate. They, they have a second sense. They're managers like teachers are born. They're not taught. You, I could take anybody and say, you, you, you can teach this class, but well, that might be that lousy teacher and 95% of them are. No, I, I did find out though, I was extremely good at managing projects. I was very good at the detail work of all the activities, uh, keeping track of what's going on. I became what's known as a project engineer. And in our world, you had three tracks. You could be an engineer. I could design this and design this and, you know, get to the elite level of this. I could be a manager. I'll manage as many people as many people, or I could be a project engineer. I'm managing the resources, capital, proposals. And it turns out each time you went up, pay was pretty much the same as a manager without the people. You said you got your MBA right after. So you got like three degrees back to back. Was back to back to back. back. 11 years contiguous. So what sparked that? I want to get my MBA. You already are like, high up on mechanical engineering. You got seven or seven years of experience there, but you still wanted to get another degree. Well, I, work, I got the MBA. By the seventh year, I got the MBA. So I finished uh, three years for the MSME, then four years for the MBA, because back then the required, if you didn't have an undergraduate in business, you had to go back and get it. Oh. And then they the MBA program. And so part-time worked out to be four years. Now you can do it in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. Cal State Fullerton has a lot of those accelerated master's programs where, I mean, it just lets us stay close to the school that we're familiar with and just get it done really easily. Oh yeah. I, I, I tell everybody today, I've, I mentor both at, it used to be called the Halo now it's the School of Business and Economics and engineering. Mm -hmm. I mentor both organizations. Uh, I, the biggest thing there is because I actually can, I have the credentials in both fields. And that was one thing I did determine that as I said, when you have an MBA, you have a master's in engineering and you walk into a room and they don't know who you are. You, you're, you're the pro from Dover they sent in to figure out what's wrong. And let's say it's a bunch of engineers. They think you're a finance weenie. So they start blowing smoke about the technology. I, I just tell them, first of all, I have a master's and X patents and X VTech conference papers. You're not fooling me with it. Oh, you're an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> P6. Cause they just right thought now. you had your MBA. That's it. Yeah. So next time I'm into another organization, we're trying to look at the bet, the bill of the bid for a proposal. And I'm saying, look, you got a problem here, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You're just a tech weenie. What do you know? Well, I do have an MBA and I also run an invest a million dollar investment fund on the outside. So I have some idea about finance. Shall we get back on tech? Oh, hell. It was you have the best of both worlds. You have the best exactly. of both worlds. I had street cred yeah. in both worlds. And you, at the same time, you have to maintain it in both worlds. I had to keep That's my true. technology. Every time I got more patents, I gave more technical conference papers that maintained me at their equivalence for a very senior engineer. Same thing with business. 
they, I got called in to audit a program here or find out or, or save a proposal here or recover something there. So that kept that side of the house. It took a lot of work, but it paid off. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you do on campus currently. Well, one, like you mentioned before, you run a company called Dargan Development and that kind of deals a lot with funds. I just shut down our investment fund oh, about a half a year ago. Oh, you did? I, I decided I was enough of that. But Dargon was my little, one of the things I tell my students is that you always have to have a side gig. Mm -hmm. I grew up in aerospace where uh, in the 70s, the aerospace industry here took an 80% layoff, 80. Can you imagine what that, that did to the economy yeah. here? It was staggering. All those highly paid jobs and most of them took two years to find another job and even then they had to change careers. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with that. Watched my father dodge layoff after layoff after layoff, and I knew I had to have something else. So a friend of his, George Messenger, uh, who is 170, 180 IQ, he's one of the inventors of transistors and things like that, self-made multimillionaire investments in real estate, but he needed somebody to uh, basically mechanize the algorithms he's using for doing option trading. And he is a computer. It took me three years to teach him how to transfer file into a floppy. Complete computer code. So I spent on our activity, I did all of the finances, all of the accounting, all the taxes, all the calculations, probabilities, all that. I did all that activity. But once I got to the point, I said, well, it's take, I just don't want to live on the computer all the day, every morning and watch the market and go through the stress of the environment. So we just close that down. But with that umbrella company, when we had rental equipment, rent, rental houses, that came under that. When I had consulting work, that came under that. Uh, when my wife and daughter said, do some other business. So by having that, I was able to take massive deductions. So not only did it make you money directly, but it helped you save money in the long run as well. Absolutely. And because my, my original CPA for years was an ex-IRS agent. And then I had other CPAs over the years. But I would go and do anything that was legal. I see. That's pretty interesting. Going back to Cal State Fullerton, you're doing quite a bit over there. I was Boeing's liaison. Yeah. both engineering and business, where I was mentoring. I also arranged to get materials into the engineering department. Or uh, So I, when I retired, I just sort of transitioned onto that full time. I mentor and sponsor teams on the engineering side. Uh, either I want something to design, I'll pay for it myself and have them do it, or I mentor teams doing that. I'm now mentoring a multi-university team working on an exoskeleton design. That's Long Beach, Cal State Fullerton, and San Luis, I think, in San Jose. I'm going to be the programmatic side. And that's because it took me two years ago, three years ago, to say, look, you're doing these projects, but you're not taking the program side of it. You're not managing it correctly. And so now I've been working in some of their big teams on the programmatics. Now they want me on this multiple team. And so that's engineering over in business economics for years now. I've been mentoring their consulting teams. People come to Cal State, they pay a couple thousand, they get a study done. Well, I usually cherry pick the team I want. I mean, cherry pick the project I want and it gives me the challenges I need. So I spend my time over uh, business economics. I spend my time over engineering. I volunteer as the archery coach, mm -hmm. particularly in compound, but more of the team manager. I basically fund a lot of it. I buy equipment for them. Uh, I write the grants for them to get money, but the, they actually run the club themselves, but I kind of handle the infrastructure, the background. Uh, I, uh, sponsor scholarships. My wife and I offer multiple scholarships in both engineering as well as over the business department. Um, 
I think I, I've now been brought on to another uh, business department has is their, their a high achiever program. I now been officially brought on there for mentoring some of their exact students. I got a new mentee there. I think I, I teach a class in resume writing to a variety of professors over the semester. Uh, I've been now teaching a class in project management over in some of the other programs. So I basically flit around a lot, but I got to do something because I'm bored out of my mind because I retired way too early. But why is it important for you to give back to like Cal State Fullerton? Like out of all the things that you could possibly do, you do so much for Cal State Fullerton. So like, why is it like ingrained in you to give back so much? Partially because I owe a lot of what I am to Dr. Edward Sal and Dr. Christian Murphy in engineering because of that what they did allowed me to become an engineer uh, Ed Sal was my mentor in my master's program. Uh, he was probably the most important person in my life, uh, or one of the most important over my entire career. He saw something in me, and because of that, I was able to advance. I've always had a tremendous feeling of gratitude for the people in my career who helped me or guided me or gave me a break when I didn't think I was ever going to get one there. And that to me requires significant loyalty and gratitude, but also means pay it forward. Someone did that for me. I must do that for somebody else. It's not ethical. It's not honorable to have someone do all that for you and not take on another engineer, mentor, loan money to people, uh, help people get jobs, anything that I can do is because I owe it to somebody else because somebody did something for me. And again, it all started at Cal State Fullerton. And I spent more time at Cal State Fullerton than I ever did in my high school or elementary school. I, I see. So we're gonna go on a quick commercial break and when we're back, we're gonna ask you some quick fire questions and then talk about some advice you have to give to students. Great, let's go for it. All right, so we're back with Bill and we're gonna start asking him the quick fire questions and getting his opinions on some controversial topics. So Bill, these are, these are very controversial. Like it depends on how you answer them. We might have to end the podcast here. They're not right answers. Go for it. All right, the first one being coffee versus tea. Since I weaned myself off of caffeine decades ago, mm -hmm. it's tea, but it's only decaffeinated. I agree with you there. So what was better, undergrad or graduate school? Graduate school. I see, so math or language arts? And this is an easy answer. This is an interesting thing. <laughs> math. I'm not good at math, but I'm good with technology. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not good at language and writing, but I'm good in language and verbal. Um, so phone call or text message? I think you would prefer a phone call on this one. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. I don't by that. Text, if you're trying to just mm -hmm. give me a piece of information and I can glance at it and not have to worry about getting a long call. Yeah. Each has their use. Mm -hmm. Communication must be by phone. If I want something immediate, you know, the address I need to drive to, great. I don't want to get into, you know, great. I glance at it, put in the GPS, and I'm gone. Yeah. So each for its use. And yeah, text message, if it's something that you need, like permanently written down, texting is great for that. You need the address to reference later. You need a grocery list. Much better to do that. But phone call, I, I love phone calls. It's just easy. It makes you feel loved. You get someone to like call you, and you're like, love it. Oh, so a horror movie or a comedy movie? Comedy. You love comedies. What's your favorite comedy movie? Well, first of all, you have to look at the works of Mel Brooks. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles are two of the greatest ones out there. Uh, 
you can look at some of the great uh, screwball comedies of the 30s and 40s. You can look at, uh, I like comedy that's not based around people being degraded, insulted, or humiliated. That's not comedy. That's cheap that's comedy. Abuse. It's a very cheap comedy. Yeah, that's abuse. It's equivalent to like a scare, uh, jump scare in like a horror movie. It's just exactly. They just, what you're looking for is something where you set up a personality situation, uh, something where people forget the inventor of stand-up comedy was Jack Benny. He was the first one to not only invent, do standard audience and do comedy, though uh, Will Rogers did sort of it too as part of his act, but Jack Benny also was the first one who had a personality. He had this persona of this real cheap person, the most famous laugh that ever was in radio, where Jack is supposed to walk along and a robber comes out and pulls out a gun and says, your money or your life? Dead pause. Dead pause. The guy says, I just said, your money or your life? He says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. That was just so aligned with the personality that he portrayed that people could immediately understand why he would take the time to think what's more important is life or his money. That is, uh, if you want brilliant comedy, Robin Williams. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. He can rip on anything. People, uh, Jeff Dunham, you know, some of his stuff is actually a little too insulting in some of the deal, but he is so, so good mm -hmm. on maintaining so many personalities uh, it, it, it's, I, I saw him live, and live is even funnier. What does success mean to you? And like, since you've done so many things, you know, you've done the patents, you've gotten three degrees from Cal State Fullerton, you went back and got some certificates. What the success, like, where is the end goal for you? The ability to have something to give back and the ability to be able to give back. That means that you had to develop a level of experience, expertise that people want to you to share you have to have your health so you're able to be able to participate and communicate and actively do that and you need a level of wealth that you can do or fund or be able to enable yourself to do those activities i can travel places i can uh fund scholarships and i've got enough money that i won't outlive my money mm -hmm. that's so my success is to be able to be my success is to be able to do those three things so it's just like earning anything or just working on yourself in order to be able to give back have enough health and have enough wealth to do to just give yeah. back to be yeah so so you have all of the opportunities mm -hmm. i know a lot of people who could do two of those but they can't afford to drive or they you know they they they're Financially, in today's environment, I have friends, you know, dual income income families, and suddenly they both got furloughed. Yeah, that's huge, because you've lived in a lifestyle. That was one differential between my wife and I was because of my growing up in the aerospace. We never lived off of more than one income, even though we had two and a half. Mm -hmm. So it gave us a lot of buffer. I see. Buffer's, buffer's important, Mike. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the main important thing that people don't realize is, yeah, your lifestyle is great when you're working, but what happens? Like, again, like we were mentioning before, like a black swan moment where and any minute, like something can just like go down. And then people who like in March were like, oh, there's just a virus. Oh, maybe I'm being like furloughed for a bit. Next, you know, laid off and now they're collecting unemployment. 
seven, eight months later, still not knowing when they're going to get a job and what's happening to their job. So, I mean, like, it's kind of, kind of just have to like prepare for like the worst always. And then like we were talking before, prior to like starting the podcast, you kind of just have to prepare for that. Yeah. If you, you've got to have six months salary in a cash equipment. It might be a bond fund being a half percent, but still it's something that is worth value. And until you have that buffer, you don't have options. Mm-hmm. If you get that buffer, you're not going to drop everything, grab the first thing that comes around, which may stick you to a lousy job if you get everybody stuck in your life type deal. Or if something bad happens, you have the ability to survive it. Mm-hmm. And if you just live, the first thing you do when you graduate, you go out and lease a BMW. I know some people, when they got their MBA, they wanted to show the world they've really arrived. So they go lease a BMW. I own a BMW. I own one. Yeah. Not only did I own one, but I was smart enough to buy an executive uh, lease car or an executive car. It was used by vice president for exactly three months with 3,000 miles on it. And I was able to get that car for $12,000 off list. And it actually never even been registered yet. So when I buy cars, I buy them intelligently. I don't buy, I don't trade in a, when you're lease, you're on a perpetual payment because you're turning every two or three years and you're back on that treadmill. I was paid off after a year and a half. I was going to pay for cash, but they offered me zero percent, uh, 0.5% financing. I was making a lot more of that in my other events. So help take a loan. Yeah. And like a lot of like that happens a lot with rent as well. You know, you're paying so much in rent and I know there's a new program with smartphones as well. Like with app, I think with Samsung, I think Apple has it as well, where every like 12 months you can upgrade your phone. So you're constantly just paying for a new phone every year. And it doesn't like sound like much until you realize 600, 700 bucks a year just to get like incremental upgrades. Whereas you would save so much more if you, maybe every two or three years. And same thing with rent as well. Just See, perpetual. The, you gotta be careful about rent because the entire uh, financial model, a lot of people looked at their house as being their uh, retirement. And then when we had the crash in 2008 and property values dropped 30, 40%, mm-hmm. uh, my, when my mother-in-law passed, we had ended up doing a reverse mortgage for her about two years beforehand. And at that time, the house was worth $240,000 in Las Vegas. When she passed, we were offered $80,000. Only? Only. The, the, the real estate in Las Vegas had cratered so badly. Mm-hmm. It was basically a disaster. Mm-hmm. And so if you were counting on that for your retirement, you're going to sell that house. And then, do, then suddenly, two-thirds of your savings are gone. Yeah. And the millennials today... And this new generation is not as prone to buying a house because the financial advantages aren't there. You're not getting the appreciation because you don't have a growing population and you don't have the middle class has been decimated. Mm-hmm. You have a million dollar house you want to buy. What does that mean? You have to have upfront the down payment and closing costs and other stuff, $250,000. Make sure $750,000 for mortgage. Okay, rule of thumb, one-third income. So do you have in hand a quarter of a million dollars in cash and a household income of a quarter of a million a year? You don't. You're 30 years old. Okay, well, don't start looking for houses in Newport Beach. Don't think about living in San Francisco. Of course, you can go live in uh, Mississippi. You buy a house there for $80,000. So it's all back to... You try to help me the economics. You only have million dollar houses and you have people who can afford a million dollar house. Mm-hmm. And this is like advice that would go to like general students. And now I'm wondering like what advice would you give to like students specifically since you've got a degree in engineering and business 
what like uh, advice would you give to those types of students? I would tell all the students, no matter what their degree, what their program, they need to get the, everything they can out of their time at the university. Join clubs, participate, go work with other organizations, become a much broader, much more capable person. Don't be Johnny One Note. Don't just think it's, I'm just a guitar player or I just, a, I, I am I'm a history and medieval history. No, because that you have locked yourself into something. Mm -hmm. Open yourself to opportunities as well as the different people. Learn, the more you travel, the more people you meet, the more tolerant you become. And if the first time you meet someone who's gay is in college and you've been taught by your very conservative religious parents, they are, you know, condemned to hell and blah, blah, blah. You know, they're evil. They're, they're baby rapers, you know, in, in certain various deals. And you, then you find out people. And you find out that uh, there is, there, why are people saying that? Because they don't know. But they don't know they fear. My parents were that type of people that I could drop them into any social group and they would just simply merge in and talk. They traveled the world for 30 odd years. They're intelligent. They were well educated. They were cultured. They knew art. They knew music. They knew literature. They knew movies. So they could find something common to talk to somebody about. And they were interested in other people. I can remember back in the late 60s, we went up to Yosemite. And this is the middle of the, the, the summer of love and all that. And there were my parents sitting around a campfire with a bunch of college students laughing and talking, enjoying wine and talking to them. There was like 15, 20 year age difference, but they were able to interface with them. And these students really appreciated them. I've always looked at my parents as being amazing that way, that yeah. people always remember them and they always, you know, thought of them as being really good people to talk to. I see, yeah. That's what, like, I kind of try and be like that. I tell a lot of people that as well. When you take, like, GEs and you're just taking, like, other things that are outside of your, like, specialty, just go for it. Embrace it, you know? You never know when you're going to, like, need those talking points or just know those types of people who are outside of your specific field. And a lot of people like, especially, I know, and a lot of people in engineering, they don't want to like expand their horizons. They know what they're good at and just like doing it. But if you just try something else, you don't know like what experience you could get from it. And just like in the long run, it is so much more beneficial. I feel so bad for people who have never read the classics. By the time, I mean, the everything, H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, uh, uh, Twain, I mean, we're, we're talking the books for ages. Yeah. Uh, if they haven't seen the really good movies, the ones that people you know talk about, uh, if they don't recognize certain musical scores, if they haven't heard, uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, the Beatles will be studied in college 100 years from now, like Beethoven and Mozart, because they were so iconic, so new, original, that you know, if you don't recognize a Beatles song, you're not very civilized or cultured. Mm -hmm. That's a reality check. I don't give a damn about a rapper, to be honest. Uh, rapper just doesn't do anything. It just it's discordant to me. It's like listening to Japanese musical twang, twang, twang. You know, it just it's discordant. Yeah. But Beatles songs, there's a reason everybody around the world loves them. 
Makes sense. And so to end it off, I'm just wondering what your favorite memory was at Cal State Fullerton. Could be from like your grad during your MBA or it could be from your undergrad. To smugly walk up the stairs to get it wearing two stoles. One for engineering and one for business. Oh, so you still were wearing your engineering one? No, you, you can wear both. Oh, okay, okay, I see. You're entitled if you have multiple degrees to wear the- uh, Yes, and that was me telling the world, yeah, I did it. I got a master's in engineering, I got a master's in business. Mm -hmm. People ask, well, didn't you get a doctorate? I said, no, there was no reason for me to be super expert here. It's more important for me to be very strong here and here. Yeah. I never would have gotten as far as I got in my career with a doctor, either one of those. Mm -hmm. But just having like the masters, again, like we mentioned with the, instead of being like the master of one trade, why not just be very good at both or like right. at multiple other things? And then, um, so to end it off, uh, oh, sorry about that. My alarm went off, I had an alarm set. Uh, so to end it off, uh, I was just wondering if you were on a Titan Pro Network. A what? Uh, a Titan Pro Network. I don't recognize that. Oh, okay. Well, it's the perfect time for me to give my spiel on it. Uh, so our Titan Pro Network is basically our own like LinkedIn site where alumni and students can like easily connect with each other. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, I am because we got I was worried. You were a board of director and you were. Yeah, I know. I, guess I didn't recognize it. I don't use it a lot. I do it a long time since I used it. I did it probably was on the board. But yes, I am on it. Okay, yeah. So Bill is on the Titan Pro Network. So if you ever want to reach out to an alumni, faculty, staff, or other students, Titan Pro Network is like the perfect way to go ahead and do that because it's just like a family of Titans where you can ask for help, you can give help. It's just so easy to connect with other people and just talk to them about anything that you need. So let's say you're an engineering student or you're trying to complete your MBA, Bill is here and he is a perfect like candidate to talk to. And if you like anything on the podcast, I'm sure he'll be more than happy to help and or just like talk to you about anything that you talk to me here. So thank you, Bill, so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you. Really enjoyed it. All right, so I'm going to end it there, but uh, 